0: You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Everyone, Jose Young's here with MAFighting.com. Sorry that we are seven minutes late. We were setting up the stream. Tweet deck is still down across planet Earth, it appears. Uh, It's been like that for 48 hours, so fun times on Twitter.com. But, of course, Jose Young's host of the A-Side live chat with me for the second week in a row, Danny Segura. I uh, was hoping to get Pete Carroll on here to get reaction to Bellator Dublin, okay. he's down in Melbourne for UFC 243, but it's like 17 or 16 hour time difference. Didn't think that was fair. Uh, so we have Danny on. Love having Danny on, of course. A uh, lot of great insight last week. Uh, if you haven't, go re that episode. He gave us a lot of fallout from UFC Mexico when he was uh, on, the, on the scene for that very uh heated moment between jeremy stevens and the mexican audience but uh, I, I again if you haven't listened to it it's on stitcher it's on itunes it's on spotify it's on google play it's on everything uh this episode will of course go on stitcher spotify itunes google play not even iTunes, apple podcast I, itunes like doesn't even exist anymore uh that's not here or there but uh, of course this is not our live chat this is your live chat uh you can leave your questions on the site uh the ones that are in green are obviously going to get uh more 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 con- we're going to notice those first you can also go on twitter use hashtag the a side i promise we will go on twitter this episode i went on twitter halfway through last episode there were a lot of great questions i came back to the site and there are a lot of the same questions and that seems to happen a lot so uh check the questions before asking because i don't want to i don't want you to think we're rude and we're skipping over your question you just asked the same question that other people have asked but danny we're gonna jump right into it very big fight week Uh, da- as i said before pizza carols of course on the scene we'll talk about what they're doing down there momentarily with esther and casey they have a lot of great content coming but we're going to jump right into it on the site uh right out of the gate from zaku Kokegi, longtime commenter dan Mergliata versus michael venom page what was your reaction to this incident is if this happened in vegas new york l.a do you think the commission would would have would have handled it differently not this person wrote would have handled it differently. Would have handled it differently. <laughs> so yes, Danny, you said you rewatched the fight. Uh, I was watching this live. I don't know if you were. I was helping Pete. Uh, our own Pete Carroll was, of course, on the scene. He asked some of the questions. Uh, Michael Venom Page, after after his win over Kylie uh, with flying knee knockout, uh, during the fight he had stopped to take a uh, it looks like an air selfie. Like he was on he was on top punching him against the cage, kind of taunting him, and they stopped mid punch. Pulled out like a, uh, an invisible phone and took a selfie and then went back to punching him. Dan Merkley had to stop the fight. Referee Dan Merkley to stop the fight. Took a point away for taunting, unsportsmanlike conduct. He got fined. It's a whole ordeal. Michael Venom Page later revealed in his post-fight scrum with our own pizza Carroll saying that Dan Merkley had to call him a piece of shit inside the ring. He do- and he's, he said and he's Dan confirmed that as well. Him. Dan Mergley, yeah. did confirm that I was going to say. Uh, we have an excellent write-up on our site about that. Uh, Dan Mergley was very remorseful of it, but said he, if, he would not be refereeing any of Michael Venom Page's fights from that point on. Michael Venom Page said, he, I demand an apology, and I never want him to ref my fights ever again. Apparently, his coaches tried to fight Dan, too. So, Danny, I don't know if you watched this live. I don't know if you heard about it the next day, but what is your reaction to a referee calling Michael Venom Page a piece of shit inside the cage?
1: I have, I have a lot of issues with it also with Dan Mergliata just having issues with, with – you know, I, I got to look at the actual rule set and see if, if an air selfie is actually an illegal thing. Um, I know taunting is, is allowed up to a certain degree and I know it can cross certain boundaries. But it seems Dan Mergliata comes from a background of, of a lot of respect of martial arts mm-hmm. and we know the – Way this sport has the direction it's it's gone in the last few years. I mean, this is not just with Michael Venom Page. I don't know if you remember. Also, a few months ago, when Greg Hardy destroyed, uh, I forgot who it was that 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 one Russian dude. Um, he did a little Fortnite dance at the end, and you just see Dan Mirugliotta just shaking his head. Yeah, scoring. And, and you know that made waves uh, over the internet, obviously it was all over Twitter. So he obviously has an issue with with those type of antics and, and those actions. But look, this is the way the sport is headed, you know and this is the, the way the sport has been has been going for the last you know few years. And uh, I understand why he doesn't like it in an ideal world. like it'd be nice for everyone to show respect. but look, this is this is the fight game, right? They're they're in there to punch each other in the face. So what is calling you know someone uh, uh, right, a right a bitch or you know saying whatever in the cage? I, I don't have a, a lot of issue with that, and I don't think Dan should uh, as well. I think obviously you can cross certain boundaries, but I don't think in that specific case it did. Um, it, it's also not like you know we've seen antics Anderson Silva do antics yeah. right, <laughs> and those antics cost uh, you know action, and that's when when you can call somebody, you know, and take away a point from stalling, right? If you're just doing antics and dancing around, not fighting, then that's an issue. But clearly MVP was fighting the entire time, just taking little breaks to, you know, uh, show off his, uh, you know, his moves and whatnot. So, um, yeah, I, I, I think this is the right move in the sense that Dan shouldn't ref any more of his fights. And, and, you know,
0: I think Dan is in the wrong here. He's 100% in the wrong. And let me read you a little. Uh, This is the official language on the use of abusive language in the fighting area from the unified rules. The use of abusive language is not allowed during the MMA competition. It is the sole responsibility of the referee to determine when language crosses over the lines of abuses. It should be clear that the fighter can talk during the match. The mere use of auditory language is not a violation of the rules. And some examples of abusive language they give is is racially motivated or derogatory languages. So basically, don't use ethnic racial slurs don't use homophobic slurs and this and that but you can still talk to the uh, uh the opponent but there is like an unsportsmanlike conduct uh code too apparently uh kylie gave the middle finger and he was also fined a thousand dollars just for giving mvp the middle finger uh i i remember famously it was in the nick diaz robbie lawler fight i think it was mazegati i can't remember that was so long ago uh he told nick diaz in the middle of the fight to stop talking. And I remember watching that live and I thought it was funny. And even Joe Rogan is like, did he just tell him to stop talking? Like even the comment, the commentators at the time were a little perplexed. Uh, I yeah. don't agree with Dan taking the point away. I don't agree with, obviously don't call him a piece of shit. Uh, I guess they have history in the past. MVP said before one of his previous fights, uh, I know how when, when MVP weighs in, he wears his sunglasses a lot, or when he walks out to the cage, he wears his sunglasses. That's just his persona. That's just his character. Um, Apparently when he was entering the arena, he was wearing his shades and he was walking. He hadn't entered the arena yet. He was like walking towards it with his, with his team in the behind him. And he walked past uh, Dan Mergliata and Mergliata was like, take your sunglasses off. Like this is like act like a, like a martial arts or a sportsman. And it was like MVP was like in, so in the zone, he didn't really have time to react. So apparently there's history there between those two. I guess Dan has not has had issues with him before. MVP has had issues with him before, but I, this this was the final straw. And his coach has tried to fight him because uh, he's like, if you know where I'm from, that doesn't fly. And I guess they invited him to his hotel room to settle the differences. Uh, but Dan, to his credit, said he shouldn't have done it. He felt remorse for calling him a piece of shit. But he also said... He warns him during the fight about the language. He said he gave him a warning and he kept doing it. And I think his exact quote was, I don't care if you're Jesus Christ. If I give you a warning and you keep doing it, I'm going to take a point away from you. So kudos to him for sticking to his guns, at least. But I still don't agree with it.
1: Yeah, I don't agree with it. And look, it seems like we're bashing Dan a little bit. But as as media, that's kind of our our job to be critical. But I'll say this props to Dan for speaking to – our own Steve uh, Morocco and, and, and discussing that because how many times do we see you know weird calls or bad calls and the ref never the, the referees never own up to it, they never answer mm-hmm. to it, to the media. So props to Dan for being so candid and, and giving us his side of the story, which I think is, is very important.
0: Uh, our own Guillermo Cruz says, keep him away from a Michael Pieda fight. Imagine him refereeing a Michael Pieda fight where he's doing the flips and stuff and he pauses mid-fight. Right.
1: I mean, how, how much fun was that, right? Like... I feel like some of these things are also part of the fighters. It's not really it's not really a troll job all the time. Like, it's part of MVP style to do those things. Like, if he's doing those things, it's kind of setting you up. It's kind of throwing you off your game. You know what I'm saying? So you can't take those tools away from someone. Uh, same thing. Remember when um, Nate Diaz had Benson Henderson in, in kind of a, of a leg lock position? And he flicked him off. I mean, that photo still. You know, one yeah. of the best photos we've ever seen, one of the best moments we've ever seen in MMA. You can't rob us from that. You know, um, I understand that he probably doesn't like where the sport is headed, but this is just the reality of things.
0: And one of the comments is Dan was the ref during the Anderson Silva Damian Maya fight too, and I guess he had, he was giving Anderson a little bit of uh, hassle when Anderson was. Remember, do you remember that fight? The first Abu Dhabi card, it was of like where Anderson yeah. was doing stuff. I guess he was giving Anderson a hard time during that fight too.
1: Now. On that, I understand because there was no action. And as no action. a referee, part of your job is to promote action, right? So uh, that's why we have stand-ups and, and, and break-ups in and, and, and clinch positions and certain things like that. Um, so, you know, in that sense, I would agree. But, I mean, if you're scrapping and you're just being a showman, like remember Cody Garbrandt versus Dominic Cruz? I'm yeah. totally fine with that.
0: 100%. And that was like when well, you're talking about when Cody, like, did the robot and he was like, yeah. he was like that was – I think that was all in good fun. I thought that was like that was part of his game plan, like head like get into Dominic yeah. Cruz's head and it worked like a charm. He won that fight and Michael Venom Page was beating the soul out of Kylie when he when he took that selfie, so it's not like he was mo- like I, I, at the end yeah. of the day, I don't agree with the point deduction warn the guy, but as. Our own bad boy, Alice Kaylee, said, MMA is supposed to be fun, guys. It's supposed to be fun. I I told him I would say that again. MMA is supposed to be fun. But we're going to move on uh, from our longtime commenter, Ted Bear. Adesanya versus 185-pound power hitters. We've seen him fight decent wrestlers and unique strikers like Gastelum. But how does Adesanya fare against Costa, Romero, and Kananair? Which of these matchups do you want to see most? Uh, Any of them, Danny. I will watch Israel Adesanya fight Romero, Yolo Romero, Palo Costa, or Jared Kennedy. Jared Cannon, of course, ran through uh, Jack Hermanson this past weekend at USC Copenhagen. Yolo Romero lost to Paolo Costa. Very exciting fight, though, pretty narrow. Some people actually think Yolo Romero won. Palo Costa is probably next in line. Uh, yeah. Arnold Guillermo Cruz had a great write-up where he, Paolo Costa wants Israel Adesanya to win because he wants to fight. So I think, regardless, we're going to get the Palocosta Costa matchup with Israel Adesanya next, if, if Israel Adesanya wins, that is. So, Danny, which of these fighters would you like to see him fight out of the three? How do you think he compares? I have some thoughts on this, but I would like to get yours first.
1: Repeat the list the list again.
0: Uh Romero, Costa, Cannonier. Basically the three hardest hitters in like that top 7 range of middleweight.
1: Hmm. Costa would be my number yeah, 1, I, I think. I would agree. The bad blood there is 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 real. Um I mean they've been going back and forth for for a bit, right? And we've seen, you know, Israel Asana try to steer something up with Robert Whittaker, and it's not really working, maybe slightly. There is some a little bit of tension there, but um, Paulo Costa welcomes that, and they've been going back and forth for a bit. Paulo Costa is a super exciting fighter. I mean, we just saw him go to war with Yo Romero, one of the best fights we've seen this year. Um, action, drama, storyline, everything's there. Also. You know he's from brazil a huge market right another market coming up in, in oceania there so so not only that but like they're kind of repping each other's uh regions and, and a win for for either guy would be you know very meaningful for the regions as well so it'd be, be a little bit of a, of a turf war and uh yeah i'm all in for that plus above above all of that we got to be fair and, and and paulo costa has put in the work has deserved this title shot so if adesanya uh were to win the belt you know, Paulo Costa has to be next in line. 100%. And then the other person was Romero and Cannonier. Yeah. I would say uh, Romero, just because I have questions about still, although I know Adesanya fought Gaslam, who's a good wrestler, but I, I have questions about uh, how he would fare against someone like Romero. So yeah. basically, any champion, if you hold the 185 pound title, I kind of want to see you fight your, your Romero at some point because um, it'll test you. And yeah. then Cannonier, you know, he's excellent, very good, very impressive in his last outing. But nonetheless, you know, kind of a, of a fresh face. So um, I feel like he still needs to, some work to do to, to, to kind of get those type of fights.
0: Yeah, and like. I, I want to fight. I think I can, we have a great excellent write up on our site where uh, Robert Whitaker's coach says beating Yolor Romero is the most impressive thing to do in the middleweight division. Like he says a win over Romero is far more impressive than Israel Adesanya. I've been saying for a long time whether you think I see a lot of comments on the YouTube page saying Yolo Romero is the uncrowned champion. I still think beating Yolo Romero is the hardest thing at 185 pounds. Uh, Israel Adesanya's fight against Whitaker and all of these these elite wrestlers and hard hitters that he hasn't fought yet is kind of reminds me of when Conor was coming up. They were giving him all these stand up strikers and really exciting matchups he could have, and everyone kept saying like, "When's "When's he gonna fight a wrestler? When's he gonna fight a wrestler? When's he gonna fight a wrestler?" He's not fighting them now, but he's gonna fight them at some point. And all of these questions mm-hmm. we had. It's not like like you saw like he fought Chad Mendez. Yes, it was a it was a short notice fight, but then he also fought Habib and you saw what happened. So he's gonna fight them eventually. It's just that he's not fighting them right now. He's the middleweight, he's the interim champion. Robert Whitaker is the middle, is the reigning champion, so they have to fight. Kelvin yeah. Gaslam is a great wrestler. Uh, he's an excellent wrestler. He might be a little smaller, small for 185. I remember he wanted to drop back down to 170 at one point. The only reason he didn't was because he was having success of 185. Like you said, Yo Romero is like a different – not just a different breed of wrestler. He's like a different breed of hum, of human. He's like you, like kicking him different is like kicking species, a – Different species, my friend. He's like kicking him is like kicking a fire hydrant. Like when he hits you, yeah. it's like a baseball bat coming at you. And Jared Cannonier has looked absolutely incredibly impressive since cutting – he was a heavyweight that cut all the way down to middleweight. Doesn't look like he lost any power. And then Paulo Costa, to be able to stand in the pocket and just go blow for blow with Yo Romero was ultra impressive – I don't, and we're not even talking about Robert Whittaker. I like to see Robert Whittaker fight Cannoneer and uh, Paulo Costa because we already see him fight Yoel Romero twice. That second Yoel Romero fight is one of the greatest fights I've ever seen live. A lot of yep. people think Yoel Romero won that fight. Wouldn't have mattered because he missed weight by 0.2 pounds. However much that matters, uh, I would like to see Whittaker fight either of those two guys too. I think there's a lot of questions with both guys. Uh, Paulo Costa is not a wrestler; he's just a hard hitter. Uh, yeah. Also. I know you've watched a lot of Yolo Romero. You've interviewed Yolo Romero enough times, both in English and Spanish. He seems to have one of those stylistic matchups where he doesn't really have combos. He just explodes with like two or three punches and catches you off guard. I would like to see Robin mm-hmm. Whitaker fight someone like Paulo Costa that is just constantly in his face, throwing yeah. like those body hooks and kicks, and Jared Cannon too. Unlike Romero where he just explodes for like five seconds and then calms down. So either fight, that is- I'll fight either of them.
1: That is changing a little bit. Joe yeah. Romero was, was out there, uh, you know, using his jab, and he's getting a little more technical, which is uh, bizarre. Thinking, you know, he's very bizarre. Pretty old, and yet he's still evolving in in technique.
0: Yeah, which so is quite impressive. it's this Yo Romero we're seeing now is seems like a much different Yo Romero than we saw fight Robert Whitaker two times before. But he's probably not going to get a title shot anytime soon, especially if no, yeah. Robert Whittaker wins because he lost to Paulo Costa. He's lost to Robert Whittaker twice. I think the best hope for Romero getting another title fight is if Israel Adesanya wins. Because I interviewed Israel Adesanya yeah, at the red sure. carpet, and he said, Israel Adesanya is one of those guys that lays out his plan. He said, I want to fight this guy, and then I want to fight Marvin Vittori, and then I want to fight Brad Tavares, and then I want to fight this guy, and then this guy, and this guy. On the red carpet, he told me, when i beat robert whitaker i want to fight the winner uh, his exact words were romero versus the juice monkey which he was referring to paulo costa so either fighter he wants to fight it happened to be paulo costa dana white said you can't argue against it paulo costa versus either of those two guys i'm very excited for probably sometime in the spring i'm i'm hyped on it uh, anything else you want to say on the cannoneer and the cannoneer seems to be that that in that weird stage where say one of these two guys gets hurt Because Robert Whittaker has been known to miss a lot of time. We might have another interim title fight on our hands. It has to cost a cannon But I don't want to bring up the I-word in this live chat. I'm sorry I had to bring it up once before.
1: All good, all good. I mean, we're trying to get rid of the interim title on Saturday. So uh, knock on wood. Uh, you know, everything goes to... <laughs> Knock to, on to,
0: wood that Robert Whittaker makes it, man. I've been burned so many times. Like, we lost out on him versus Luke Rockwell. We lost out on him versus Kelvin Gaslam. Yeah. We cannot lose Robert Whittaker versus Israel Adesanya. and my heart cannot take it. But we're going to move right along to Hefe01. Interesting question we got coming up here, Danny. I know you want to talk about I'm sure you want to talk about it. Jackson Wink Drama. What is going on with this mega camp? First, there was Cowboy Cerrone calling it a puppy mill, followed by the team's choice to stick with Perry and let Cerrone go. Now it's coaches versus fighters and all of the occasional complaints about favoritism, having a quote unquote doctor feel good on staff and purposely protecting fighters from USADA, example, Jones hiding under the cage. What are your thoughts? Where there's smoke, there's fire, right? So it is interesting, Danny, that we've seen a lot of drama come out of the Jackson Wink camp. It seems to be uh, Greg Jackson seems to be staying out of it himself. Uh, He seems to be more of the coach that just wants to coach MMA and, but if you paid attention to this week, Frank Lester, one of the old one of John Jones's old spar partners or coaches, I don't know what his exact title was. I don't so I, I can't speak on that. Uh, put out this scathing Instagram post where John Jones said he he said John burned him out of, I think, $13,000, uh, fired him, uh, basically did him dirty. John Jones commented saying, like, I, I would never pay you $20,000. You know, that's not true. Uh, threatened to go to the police. Uh, if if because <laughs> Frank Lester said when I see you it's on like that's what's that those were his exact words he said he was going to start up another camp to uh, start yeah tank mixed martial arts yeah yeah exactly tank mix take MMA it's Frank the tank um, so what do you make of this and then someone commented asked Frank Lester like how much how much juice is John on and then he ta- he commented and tagged our old co worker Ariel Hawani, saying Ariel let's talk. And John jumped in real quickly saying, like, don't make me sue you, like, don't make me go to the police, this and that, like much more of an uh, an angry uh, reaction than the the first one. So what is your take on all this? It was it was kind of the talk of the weekend outside of the fights that Mm -hmm. all of this drama seems to be coming out of the Jackson Wink camp over the last, I'd say, 18 months or so.
1: Yeah, there's been a lot of things going on with with Jackson Wink. And it's interesting because everyone you know has their own little stories, but it seems all of them seem to have sort of a, of a common uh, story, right? A common feel to them. Um, it, it's really hard to comment on them because, again, this is something he, he said, she said type thing where, like, you know, there's different people, with different versions. And, and it's hard to, you know, to, it's, it's hard to get down to, to what exactly is going on. I think more details will probably come out. Uh, you know, in the next few weeks, maybe. I mean, if it seems Frank uh, is is willing to to talk, so we'll see what what else he has to say. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, I, I we've seen the comments about being a puppy mill and all that, but nonetheless, I mean, Jackson Wink is still producing some of the best fighters in the world. Some of the best fighters in the world still compete uh, under Jackson Wink. I mean, we, we we talk about John Jones, you know, one of the greatest of all time, and uh, the list goes on. So um look i'll say this uh there's gonna be issues everywhere we saw obviously what happened with black that split up and that's no longer a thing um we've seen we've seen drama everywhere you know where there is wherever there's a big camp right you have all these big personalities right all these big egos all these big fighters there's gonna be issues. Um, Now, there could be issues, more issues in some camps than others. Like, when have you ever heard of something like this going on, for example, at TriStar or something like that? Never. Um, So it does make you question about what's going on with the camp and the future of the camp. But from what I can see now is that it's still a very strong camp. It has some of the best fighters in the world still producing top talent. Top talent is still going to that camp to to, to get uh, training. Aaron Pico, obviously we saw. Mike Perry, right? so it's still a very good camp, and and I think that's that's all I have to say about that. I mean, it's hard to speculate beyond that. I think.
0: And the only other camp I think we've seen that has this much drama before has been Team Alpha Male over the last few years with the whole TJ, as well. Uh, the Benavidez, when TJ left, Benavidez left. Chad Mendes was still there. Justin Buckholz was the head coach, and then he had a a few negative things to say about uh, Uriah Faber when he left. So uh, that was the, that. All happened, and that seemed to be a lot of inner turmoil and i'm i don't know this to, if this is 100% true it's just from my perspective looking in i feel like a lot of this drama happened, started happening at jackson wink when they changed like physical locations they went from that original that smaller gym and now they have this mm-hmm. big massive super gym that they need to fill up maybe they just need to fill it and it's more expensive i don't know that to be true i just feel from the outside looking in a lot of this drama can be traced back to when that when the actual physical move from one building to the other building happened, but also this isn't anything new. Remember when John Jones fought Shogun and Rashad Evans left Jackson Wink? That was one of the original ones. Uh, that was one of Ariel's one of Ariel's earlier videos that kind of took off. Is when he interviewed Rashad. He goes, "I'm done with Jacksons. Like that's a wrap." And then he interviewed Jackson immediately after. He goes, "Well, I don't feel great about it, but John has a title fight coming up." And then that whole fight, that buildup between Rashad and John Jones before that title fight. Was basically centered around that rivalry. Is Jackson went here? Uh, that Jackson Jackson stuck with John Jones over Rashad. Uh, that yeah. was the bad blood. I know our own St- uh, Stephen Morocco uh, has a piece with Frank coming out soon. I I know he was a lengthy one. I've heard. That's what I've heard. I know he had. He spoke with Frank for for quite a while. Uh, I'm sure that's going to be great. So, it's gonna. Uh, it, it, I can't. I know we can't really comment on it because we don't. We weren't there. We don't know what happens. I hate speculating. I hate putting words in people's mouths. I don't want to do any of that. But I know Stephen has a very lengthy piece with Frank coming out soon. So I'm sure that will hopefully clear up some of the things Frank wanted to say, uh, and it will give you all of your answers. So pretty much, stay tuned for Stephen's piece. I know it's going to be a, a lengthy one, and Danny and I are also very excited to to read that one too. So we're gonna, we're gonna move right along uh UFC 243 is a weak card Change my mind from matt the donk come on man half the fight weak-
1: i will not change your mind because other than the main event let's face it it's not the strongest card and no disrespect to the fighters competing on the card i respect every person that gets in the cage um also it took a hit right holly Holm versus raquel pennington that hit. was going to be a nice fight um and you know holly Holm. I would have loved to see her go back and and fight where really she became Holly Holm, right? Yeah. And she became this huge superstar in the UFC. Obviously, we know uh, doing a beautiful head kick kick knockout of Ronda Rousey and giving her her first defeat and and shocking the world, really. So that would have been nice. But let's be honest. This card, not the strongest. Not the strongest
0: pay-per-view. As Matt the Dong said, half the fighters on this card don't even have Wikipedia pages. So that should show you that should tell you everything you need to know but man oh man that main event is an absolute banger robert whitaker israel Adesanya. that seems to be one of those matches where both of these fighters are in the prime of their career yes robert whitaker has been out since what june 2018 so it's been a minute mm-hmm. uh ally keen to dan hooker is still a banger it's not holly homer Penton, but that fight is very important to the light in a, in a division where in a division where we finally have a reigning champion and a absolute true number one contender in Habib versus Tony Ferguson. There's a lot of lightweight fights that are coming up that are going to be very important. Kevin Lee, Gregor, Gillespie just got booked. Uh, Conor McGregor still out there. Justin Gaethje just had a big win. Is lightweight he- div- <laughs> So, we, there's a lot of fights coming up. Aya versus Hooker. I think is the winner and loser of this is going to determine a lot of what's going to happen later on. I know Justin Gaethje has a lot of beef with Ally Iaquinta. Dan Hooker is a super exciting fighter. Uh, he comes from the same camp as Israel Adesanya, so uh, it's that's a, that's a banger. Taito Ivas is a fun guy to interact with. His his appearance is unembedded. He always steals the show. And then Megan Anderson, way far down on the prelim card, she was tabbed to fight for the featherweight uh, championship once before she came with short to Holly Holm and then... Um, Felicia Spence in her last fight. And other than that, I can't disagree with you, man. Not the most exciting fight, but I'll watch it a lot. There's a lot of fights that I would like to watch that are fun, not a lot that make up that are going to be important to title pictures. But man, that main event is so good. And then Nadia Kazim is obviously very popular yeah. on Instagram. So, Jeez, Matt the yeah. Donk, I can't change your mind. I'm still going to watch every single fight. I'll watch any amount of fights to get to the main event, but again, I've been burned by that, too. I was so excited for Max Holloway versus Charles Oliveira. I think that was in like Saskatoon or something like that. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you remember that card. That fight card took forever to get through. Not a lot of great fights, and then that fight ended in like 30 seconds when Charles Oliveira got hurt. So fingers crossed that doesn't happen, but... Matt the Donk, Dan and I can't change your mind on that one.
1: No. And this is kind of like the same storyline as UFC 242, where it's like you got such a great title fight, such a great main event that you cannot just, you know, throw it under the rug and be like, eh, I'm going to skip this one. Like, this is a very important fight. And uh, obviously, not only because it's a title unification bout and a champion will be crowned um, or, you know, or will remain a champion, right, if Robert Whitaker wins, but... um, I mean, Israel Adesanya, man. This could potentially be he one could of the be biggest the next, stars. He in could be the, the biggest
0: star in MMA if he wins. If he wins impressively, and there's no Conor, there's oh, no yeah. Rock, there's no George, there's no Ronda, Israel Adesanya could be that next placeholder.
1: And you know, and you know, Israel Adesanya, you know he's gonna have something for that post-fight interview. You know, he's gonna all week long. He's gonna be charismatic, and and there's gonna be a lot of uh, good stuff coming from him as far as the media goes. So. Yeah, this is this is a huge fight and look, if he wins, I mean John Jones is already talking about him. We're talking about yeah. a, a pound for pound great. This this has a lot of implications. So yeah, this the, the only good thing, the only th- good thing that they got really lucky with this card is that the main event is so good that you have to tune in. Uh but yeah, I have issues with the sense and don't get me wrong, there are some fine fights here, but I have issues when there's not a whole lot at stake. Like, for example, when Romero fought uh Costa at what was it 239? 241. 241 sorry Um, that that fight had a lot of implications right like we obviously now see Costa as the next guy in line Same thing with a bunch of other fights on the undercard Um, But here like I can't really say with confidence that a a winner here right underneath the main event uh, is
0: next in line for the title shot And that's you know, that's not fun. But nonetheless good fights. It's it's also an international fight card when's the last time we see we saw an absolutely stacked pay-per-view card On an international soil, like you had two what was it uh 193 was had joanna was on that card that was the Mm -hmm. the ronda holly one but then also had whitaker was supposed to fight michael bisping but he got hurt and he ended up fighting uriah hall mark hunt bigfoot too but those guys were still like australian names that fought in australia there weren't a lot of big name fights on that card and these brazilian Mm -hmm. cards we get these big pay-per-views like i believe it was what usc 237 was in may That had Anderson, Jose Aldo, Jessica Andrade, like Lil Nog was on that card, Mm -hmm. BJ Penn. But like those are all people tied to Brazil. Now it's in Australia. All of these fighters have basically ties to Brazil. So I mean Brazil, Australia. But then you look at UFC 239 on Vegas, which is like UFC's home. That fight card was yeah. insane. That had like Askren, Masvidal, uh, right. Don Jones, Holly Holm, Nunes. And then UFC 235 was might have been even more stacked. Like Cody Garbrandt was on that card. Askren Lawler, Jones Smith, Kamaru, Woodley. So Vegas cards are going to be stacked. When you see an international pay-per-view coming up, it's probably not going to have the sexiest names in terms of big breakout stars. But it's an important fight card for that part that of the region. world mm-hmm. but it's at Marvel Stadium which is a massive <coughs> massive stadium. Do you think this fight sells out? Do you think they actually no. sell all the tickets for this?
1: No, I don't think so. What is it like? I believe the um, the record attendance for Holly Ronda Rousey was like what, ninety three thousand? Something like that.
0: It's, I thought, a, it's you, up the there. The um I'll tell you the I'll tell you the capacity rec- right now. If, if, it, if, it, if that wasn't the record, if that isn't the record now, I know for a long time the record was uh, George versus Jake Shields, George St. Pierre versus Jake Fields. I think that was the Ronda Center or Ronda, Ronda Center, Rogers Center or whatever. I think where the Blue Jays play in Toronto. That that was an, that was an insane atmosphere. I think that's the card. Leota Machida kicks Randy Couture, I believe Jose Aldo was at the co-main event. But again, that was a stacked card. That was also International Fight Week that year. Uh, I think, Bet they would have sold out if Max Holloway fought uh, Volkanovski on this card. If that was the coming event, they stacked it with two title fights, had Holly Holm uh, and Hooker Iaquin. It could have sold out then. But one title fight between Robert Whitaker versus Israel Asanya, I don't know, is enough to sell out that arena. Plus, from what I've gathered, there's a lot of people that went to UFC 193. That did not enjoy the actual fan experience of watching the fight live. And maybe they were burned from that. Maybe they don't like, I don't want to experience that again. I'd rather just watch it on TV, especially if Ronda, if if someone like Ronda Rousey isn't fighting on that card. I don't know if this sells out unless they're just giving away tickets and papering the town. I can't imagine this sells out. I mean, hell. Apparently,
1: the capacity is. Fifty-six thousand, but I feel like it's a lot more.
0: It's gonna be more because they're gonna put like the the octagons there. Remember when Ronda fought Holly? They had like lawn chairs out right, <laughs> right, on the right. floor. It didn't look that great through the TV, but like I was at Mayweather McGregor, and that didn't even sell at the T-Mobile Arena. Like there were whole sections tarped off. So I can't imagine yeah. this fight is gonna sell out. Maybe they give tickets away uh, and whatnot. But we're we'll see. But I'm still excited for that fight. But this actually goes right into. Another uh, another question from SJY. UFC International Expansion. How is UFC international? How is the UFC's International Expansion going? For the third time in a row, the title will be won by a non-South slash North American fighter. We have Habib, we have Wiley Zhang, and now it's going to be either Israel, Israel, as this person wrote, or <laughs> yeah. Robert Whitaker. So SJY asked that. So Danny, what do you think of this International Expansion where for a long time it seems like people from North America, like the United States or Canada, and then we have south america which i assume he's just going to st- be speaking about the brazilian when they seem to dominate all the championships uh what do you make of this international expansion where we have we're going to have an I, we're either going to have a new zealand champion or australian champion we have wiley Zhang, first chinese champion in the ufc habib who's obviously from dagestan so years ago dana white said they're going to take over the world mm-hmm. and now we, we're going to have three quote unquote non wet like n- they're not from the western side of the world what do you make of this quote-unquote international expansion that's happening in the UFC right now?
1: I think it's good, and I think, uh, you know, the UFC, I mean, first off, they wanted, Lo, I mean, they'll probably never admit it, but they kind of wanted Wei Li Zhang to, uh, or Zhang Wei Li to to win that fight. I think that uh, was the
0: worst kept secret of yeah, the UFC.
1: I think, uh, you know, they, they were building a PI in China, they, yeah. they know why I talked about how many people are in China, right, like, it's just such a huge market. Um, and yeah, like, you know, having a champion there is obviously going to bring the level up in, in in that region. Same thing as, as it, you know, Robert Whitaker did, uh, you know, bringing the, the level up in his region. And the same thing that we, we've been seeing over in that area, in the Oceania area, like so many good fighters are coming out of it. So I think it's good. I mean, this is at the end of the day, an international sport sport. Um, and uh, this is what you wanna see, evolution across the entire globe, not only the US. And um, we've talked about this, how it, it seems like the thing to do is, right, you get kind of big, you make it to the UFC, all right, you move to the US and you train at a Jackson Wings, you train a, at, a, at an Alliance Hard Knocks 365 and all these other gyms, right? But we've that's kind of been changing. And that was a big storyline of uh, the event at uh, UFC Mexico. Uh, yeah. A lot of those Mexican fighters train were born in Mexico and train out of Mexico. And they're ranked and they're, you know, successful UFC fighters. They've been there for a few years. They've picked up wins. Um so it's good. I think, you know, um the the, the more the more there is of this, you know, the, the, the it speaks volumes to the evolution that the you know the sport is having in, in other parts of the world. So I love it. I think it's great.
0: Yeah, I think it's great. I like like anytime you get a champion from a a market that has never had a champion is going to be a big deal. Like uh when connor won from ireland you saw what happened like all of a sudden like we have we have more fight car like more fight cards in ireland than we've had ever before whether it's the ufc whether it's bellator cage warriors goes back obviously bama like there's a lot of fights happening there and when joanna won the championship obviously ksw is like bigger than the ufc in poland but we saw a lot of polish fighters kind of come into the ufc this dialogue you like UFC 242 in Abu Dhabi. That half that card is made up of people from Russia and Dagestan. We yeah. obviously know how great of fighters they are, they they have because we had <coughs> Fedor for so long. But Habib kind of took it to another level with that build up to Connor. Now we saw it explode. Yeah. So I am very intrigued to see what happens in China now that Wiley Zhang Wiley Zhang won because remember Tough China? Do you remember that that that? car crash mm-hmm. that happened where uh, Kong Lee was the host and he basically, one of the hosts didn't even really know MMA so he <clears throat> left and like season 3 and then Kong Lee had to bring his own coaches in to train one of the teams and then neither of those winners are even in the UFC anymore so I'm very yeah, curious Yeah, the fighters were
1: that was one of the, we really saw how, how Bad MMA was it, the state of MMA in China cuz it was like watching UFC 1 all over like it was just Worst. like wrestler versus striker. You know, it was just very it wasn't mixed martial arts.
0: I remember see episode 1 there was a guy who never even fought before. He was like a yoga instructor and he wanted to be on the season just to get famous. So to go from that to now have Wiley Zhang – winning the championship and kind of and she did she's done a lot of media sense she hasn't like if you look at her instagram she's still training hard but she did like the 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 q a in abu dhabi she was very mm-hmm. very uh She's very, very friendly with the crowd. She kind of teased Henry Cejudo. Claudia uh, Gadelha was up on stage, too, saying she wants to fight Wiley Zhang eventually. So uh, fly, the, the strawweight division was already exciting. Wiley Zhang's made it even more exciting. If she wins, if she wins her next fight, whether it's against the winner of Ioana and Michelle Watterson, with, which is the fight card you'll be going to, or say she fights Tatiana, Tatiana Suarez, whoever, if she wins... I am very curious to see what happens in China, especially with that new PI, especially with their first champion, especially The Rock and Tom Brady are tweeting about her. They're Instagramming about her. So two of the biggest stars on planet Earth and The Rock and Tom Brady are mentioning her on their social media. Too. I think The Rock is one of the five most followed people on planet Earth. He's one of the most internationally yeah. known people. Not Are, just are they uh, like WME Yes, I was about to say that. They are WME yeah. guys. I believe they're also Under Armour guys. So Wiley Zhang could be an Under Armour athlete soon, too. So uh, it's, I'm very curious to see what, if she wins her next fight and it is in China or wherever else, maybe wh- wherever they go, I, I am very curious to see how big of a star Wiley Zhang can become with this WME uh, back, like pushing mm-hmm. her to the forefront because the Chinese market can be very lucrative. Yeah. Similar to like, imagine. I'm, if, I'm sure
1: Tom Brady's a huge. Zhang Weiwei fan.
0: Like you should, you should watch the videos of like you, you, you know enough about you know enough names in basketball. To, if I mentioned basketball names, you would you would know who they are, right?
1: Maybe, maybe. Do you know? I mean, Kawhi, I, I feel like, Kawhi like Kawhi you're, is? you're overestimating my basketball knowledge here. But Do go you know for who,
0: it. you know who Kawhi Leonard is. Wow, this is a truly baffling development in my mind. Do you hear that noise? That's da- that's uh, a K Lee crying his eyes out over you, not knowing who Kawhi Leonard is. Anyway, there's a video of him like going to Raptors? China. He used to be on the Raptors. Now he's on the Clippers. Okay.
1: All right. Well, it sounds familiar. There was a, video of,
0: there was a <laughs> video of him going to China, and he was a god. Like, people followed him around. So, the Chinese market is huge. And if they can get a Chinese star as the face of that, that's like printing money for the UFC. I mean, Yao Ming is still one of the biggest deals in China. He's been retired for like, what, eight years? <laughs> uh, and he, you know who Yao Ming is, I assume. Yeah, of course. Of yeah, course. I I, I, if you didn't know who Yao Ming was, I was going to come to New York and slap you. But we're going to move right along. I would never do that, Danny. Don't worry. All right. True, uh, false.
1: True, false. Also, don't Go forget ahead. about the leech.
0: That's right. Big the win. The leech. Uh, should, be, should be top 15 now. If, if if he's not 15, 14, he's either – he's going to be 16 or 17. But uh, Lee Jilian Ling, side and fighter kind of, kind of put it together now. But we're going to move China's right along. China's
1: in the come-up. Yeah.
0: From our longtime commenter, Trumbo. True, false, Danny. So you quick answer, then say anything you want about it. Tyron Willie fights for another belt before retiring. True. I think that's 100 percent sure. I think he wins. Whether, whether it's this year, next year, he's, he's going to fight for one eventually. Tony's teaser for an upcoming fight is not against Habib. Tony's what? Uh, I don't know if you noticed, but Tony Ferguson teased that there's in talks for his next fight, and this person is asking is basically true, false, false. Because I'm not
1: going to put that out in the universe, man
0: who at Trumbo don't ever ask that question again because you're putting evil in the world wait True what f- question it was Tony's teaser for an upcoming did, fight yeah, no, no no don't even shut mention. up Danny <laughs> Chris Wyman gets KO'd in his light heavyweight debut false that's tough man it's five rounds anything can happen in five rounds he got knocked out I mean, by race is tough
1: race is tough but <laughs> Ray has gone to decisions like several times right
0: he has. And his last his fight against Vulcan Ozdemir wasn't the most exciting. A lot of people actually thought he won. I will say true just to be different from you. And plus, he got knocked out by Jacare in the third round fighting a bigger guy. I'll say true. Uh, you saw what happened to Luke Rockhold. Anything can happen when someone moves up to middle. That's league, true. Middle I'll league.
1: make the argument that the weight cut will improve his chin. It's Possibility. It,
0: it could happen. We saw what happened to Luke Rockhold. I, we asked him, is he a... I think it's an interesting question. A lot of fighters have been giving different answers. But like when I, t- I talked to Ryan Bader before his fight against Shet Congo, I talked to uh, uh, Eric Koch after his win at UFC 240. I talked to Darren Caldwell before his last fight. These are guys that moved up in weight. So basically I would ask Ryan Bader, are you a heavyweight or just a light heavyweight that's not cutting weight? Like Eric Koch, are you just a, a lightweight that stopped cutting weight? Uh, and they all, they all basically stopped and thought, and goes, I'm just not cutting weight. So if Weidman is just coming in like – and that's 20 pounds. 185 to 205 is a lot different than one like 145 to 155. Dominic Gray is a big guy. So I'm going to say true – I don't say knocked out cold, but I'll say TKO. Uh, true, false, Ben Askren fights for the welterweight title before his contract is up.
1: How many fights does he have left?
0: That is a good question. I do not know off the top of my head.
1: He probably signed a, what, four-fight deal?
0: Probably. That's like the standard. Yeah.
1: He's what, two fights in? Yeah. So in two fights, I will say false. The say the two. line at the weight is, is quite long. Look, you got Colby Covington up next. The BMF champion is going to follow that.
0: I'm glad you brought that up. Uh,
1: and then you got like Tyron Woodley and, you know, Vicente Luque and a bunch of other guys that are on crazy win streak. So um, Leon Edwards does not forget about him. Okay. So long road, long road. And look, he's fighting Damian Maia next. Mm-hmm. I have... I respect Damian Maya a lot. You know, obviously he's a big name, former uh title challenger, both at you know one eighty-five and one seventy, but I don't think that puts you a win over him now doesn't put you up there.
0: I mean Colby Covenant to meet Damian Maya got a title fight, Camaro Uzman vs. But, but that Maia, was also a, title p- title a part
1: of a seven fight win streak defeating it's Robbie true. Lawler as well. It's you true. know,
0: I'm gonna say he will because I think Ben is gonna talk himself into a title fight. Mm. He's gonna get under Kamaru or Colby Covington's skin so much. That he's gonna talk himself right into a tough fight. I mean, you so- really
1: think, you really think the UFC is willing to skip over deserving contenders like Vicente Luque and Leon Edwards over somebody
0: that can talk? Uh, yes, because Tony Ferguson still has not fought for a title, and if he hasn't fought for a title, there is no deserving title. There's no deserving contender in any weight class whatsoever. Conor, like Conor McGregor fought Habib after like a three-year layoff and skipped right over. To Tony Ferguson was on that card. You know what broke I was being sarcastic, heart. right? I, yes, I know you're being sarcastic, Danny. But I'm just saying, if Tony Ferguson has a title fight by now, no one deserves a, fight, a title fight. So I think Ben is going to talk himself right into it. I mean, you saw the buildup between, uh, before his fight against Masvidal, where he said, I'm going to beat Masvidal and I'm going to fight Marty from Nebraska. That's basically what he kept calling him. Uh, if he, you know Camaro doesn't like that guy. Kamaru's actually kind of was was playing the game and talking a lot of junk back and forth on I mean, him because I bet, I in the back of my mind, I bet Kamara thought Jorge Mazudal would win that fight. Uh, but then we saw what happened. I mean, Ben Ashley won that fight. Then we saw what happened with that five second knockout. And then it cut to Kamara Usman and his mouth was like on the floor. <laughs> so get through Colby. And I can't imagine he's not going to want to fight the winner for the BMF title just because that's going to be a big money fight. But I mean, I it's know, a
1: title unification bout. You got to make it happen, man.
0: Why wouldn't. Nate just dropped down a lightweight and defended against someone like Conor McGregor or Habib. They got history right. Mm-hmm. I think those mm-hmm. three names could draw a lot of money. Uh, but moving right along, ugh, I hate this one. McGregor vs. Mayweather two happens in twenty twenty. False. False. I never want to think about. I never want to think about those two people. False. After that fight week, I could not wait to think about anyone else besides Mayweather and McGregor. Henry Cejudo's next title defense is against Uriah Faber.
1: False. That's Dana tough. really wants him to fight Joe B. He does. I feel like That's the fight to make. Yeah, I mean, he said it. You know, that Joe B's next in line. You know, that 125 belt's got to be defended. Plus, uh, I feel like there are other fights at 185, uh, 135 that, that can override the Uriah one. Yeah, the Uriah one's big, but a um, uh, Dominic Cruz one is big too, you know. Uh, Frankie
0: Edgar's big too.
1: Frankie Edgar's big too as well.
0: So I'm going to say false, too, just because I want Joe... I think, obviously, Joe B has to fight for the title next. But Henry yeah. Cejudo is still recovering right now. You spoke with him in Mexico. He's still not even back to training yet. So that's going to be, like, a ways away. Uh, yeah. But I'm going to say false because, again, Joe B should fight for the title. Jose Aldo's next fight is at 145, now 135 or 155. True. Yeah, I can't imagine he's going to go up. He's sure as hell isn't going to go back down. Unfortunately. So. I'm going to. Yeah, there's no.
1: these these ideas that he can make 135 are ridiculous. I don't know if, if Jose Aldo is actually in charge of his social media uh, you know, <laughs> accounts, but the idea of him dropping down to 135, it's the most bizarre thing. I actually think Gegard Mousasi is more, more likely to make 170 than Jose Aldo is to make 135. I that will argue never happen.
0: That. that will never happen. Never. I can't argue against that. Uh, I mean, I spoke with Gegard at the Bellator Media Day, and he's like, I might drop down to 170. That caught me off. That caught me off guard so much that I didn't even remember you yeah. said it until I went back to edit the video. But uh, thank <laughs> you for the true or false questions, Trumbo. Never, ever bring up Mayweather McGregor 2 ever again on my live chat, or I will come Banned. over. Banned. ban. I will not ban you. He's a longtime commenter, but you have my I'm saying ire. the comment, Ban, ban. <laughs> All right, moving along. Another question from Trumbo. Yoel Romero at middleweight. Let me say first, I love Yoel. However, I'm not sure what he's doing at middleweight. He's lost three of his last four, yet he's still somehow ranked in the top five. He's lost twice to Whitaker, and even if he wins the belt, he can't possibly jump cost. You just beat him for the next shot. Would you like to see him test the wires at 205 with at least one fight against a top 10 guy? He's 42 with two title fight losses in middleweight and not next at the moment, or is he just to ha- Or is he just content to have exciting fights at middleweight even if he doesn't get another shot at the belt. So Danny, you've spoken to your Omero enough. What do you think? What do you think about his possibility of moving up to light heavyweight? I have some thoughts on this because I in, I spoke with him for momentarily at UFC 241, but what do you think? Should he stick around in middleweight? Should he go up to light heavyweight? As Danny takes a giant swig of coffee people listening in. He
1: um I know I am I'm fairly certain that his team have thought about 205. Mm-hmm. Um that's definitely a thought that has crossed their mind um will they look yo romero s- can still make 185 i mean i know he has sometimes has had issues in the past but nonetheless more often than not he makes 185 than than he doesn't and if he doesn't make it it's usually by a very small margin it's not like we've seen some fighters miss weight by seven pounds you know with crazy amounts of weight so he's he's right there and also he's ranked at 185 and not 205 and also He's not 25, you know what I'm saying? So I think, you know, they, they keep these all into consideration. It's like, all right, we're going to go up to 205. Yeah, we can maybe climb up the rankings fairly quick because of his name, of his style. But nonetheless, you have to climb up the rankings. Whereas 185, he's right there. He's always going to be a top five, at least for now. Um, look, <clears throat> I think a move to 205 is def- definitely possible, especially with all these old names that, that, you know, crowded the 185 division moving up to 205, right? You know all of a sudden there could be some matchups there that he can have that that will be fighting basically 185ers but at 205 without cutting weight so um i I feel like that's attractive but i think you know they're waiting to see what happens with this upcoming fight we have here on saturday you know the biggest reason why he probably wouldn't get a shot at 185 is because whitaker would be the champion right but if that changes which is definitely possible i mean the odds right now i think are dead even for that title fight um then all of a sudden things can change we know Adesanya is interested in a bout with Yo Romero. Yo Romero is definitely interested in a title fight, and uh, I know the fans will certainly welcome that as well. So he could potentially be one win away from a title shot, realistically, um, if Adesanya were to be champion. So, uh, or imagine if, I don't know. I, this is now really looking down the line, but let's say Adesanya becomes champion. Paulo Costa's up next. Paulo Costa becomes champion. Um, yeah, I'm down for Romero, Costa too.
0: In five rounds, 100%. Yeah,
1: and you can make a case that, you know, Yo Romero won that fight in the beginning, so you know, in the first one. So uh, there's definitely a road for him back to the title. So I think he sticks to 185 and and sees how that plays out.
0: I think the biggest thing that you didn't mention is uh, Yo Romero has absolutely zero interest in ever fighting John Jones, uh, which he would have to do if he wants a title at 205. Not only – they're very, very close. They have the same manager. uh, Yep. We spoke with him at UFC 241, and it was brought up like, would you ever move to light heavyweight? A lot of people think you have the best chance of beating John Jones, and he was That's like, right. "Never. I will never fight John Jones. I could never fight him and hurt him, and then look at his daughters. So he's their families are close. Uh, he has zero interest in what who he fighting, who he calls his brother. So mm-hmm. if he's not willing to fight the champion, I can't imagine he's ever going to want to move up. Maybe there's fun fights, big money fights he wants, but. Yolo Romero also said the money, he doesn't care about the money. He doesn't care about the bad blood. He just wants a title. He likes competing. He likes staying fit and active. So he seems like one of those guys that just likes to compete. And if he doesn't want and become proof, he's the best. Can't do that at light heavyweight because the champion is his friend. Uh, doesn't really care about the money involved. So maybe, st- it, again, like you said, he's ranked. Why restart in a new weight class that you're, he's not, he's also not the tallest middleweight in the world. Yeah, he's thick. He's not that no. tall. So he'd be very short for light heavyweight uh Eli latifi said he's moving up to heavyweight like two like these two guys are like they're similar but like they're they're they're, they have long big shoulders and thick thighs i can't imagine what they would be like uh in a in a a weight class above so i can't imagine he's gonna move up to 205 pounds anytime soon i believe he 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 fought in strike forward to 205 didn't lose to It was the only time he's ever been finished yeah so mm-hmm. and then that made him drop back down to 205 where he's actually I mean, 185 where he looks like not just a monster, but one of the, the most savage fighters I've ever seen. So, no, stick around the middleweight. Mike said something similar to 240, where it was very hard for him to make 155 and then eventually moved up to welterweight after he lost to Pettis because he said, I, yes, I was struggling and killing my body to make lightweight, but I was finding success and I was ranked in the top 10. I don't want to give that up and go up to a, a, an weight class I've never fought in the UFC before and restart when I'm only maybe one or two wins away from title fights. So I think the fact that he does have a path to title, like you said, there's a lot of exciting fights there, and he won't fight the champion light heavyweight. If he can make it healthy, stick around in middleweight. So we're going to move along. Uh, I've been looking at a lot of the comment sec- the commenters on the YouTube page. Interesting question. I'll ask you first, Danny, from Chase Mack. Who would you guys choose to replace Dana White as p- the promoter of the UFC? I have... One or two ideas, but I'd like to hear your thoughts.
1: Mm. For a while, I thought Chael Sonnen was going to be that guy. Same. But, you know, he went to Bellator and, I mean, he's retired. So, you know, I wouldn't r- rule out a move back to the UFC in some sort of, uh, you know, presidential or or something like that, like a, a face uh, role. Um, but I, I I don't think that's that's going to be a a likely scenario. Um I also think Dana White's going to stick around for for a while. I mean look at Bob Bob Arum. How old is that guy? I don't know, but he's ancient. And uh he's he's still promoting fights and, and still, you know, doing his work and Dana White I think for for a while there was a lot of cris- criticism from the media to Dana White that he seemed checked out, but I think that's kind of over. I feel like he's back into you know, he's got that fire under him again, so I don't think he'll walk away anytime soon. <clears throat> um Maybe DC, but I feel like DC is – is he's a good ambassador and a good face. But I think part of being a promoter, you got to be a little mm-hmm. – you know, be able to bend the truth a little bit. That's that's promoting, you know? And yeah. and, and I don't think DC is is is, is that type. Um, I think – I don't know. That's a tough one. Who, who do you have in mind?
0: I had – I would have said Chael Sonnen and Daniel Cormier would be near the top. And then for a long time, I wanted Brian Stan as the next head of the UFC. I mean he would do the – not, Brian too, Stan's not a UFC. Brian Stann is too good. Too nice, too good, all that too stuff. Too nice, yeah. I don't know anyone that doesn't respect Brian Stan. He's also, I rem- remember when he was a commentator, he would be the one that would face people off a lot on the, on, for those international fight nights. Yep. So uh, for a long time, I thought Brian Stan would be a very good one, but he's obviously not involved in the world of the UFC anymore. I believe he went to the, the Univers- Kellogg University for management. I mm-hmm. think that's what it's called. So he's not, he also didn't like the travel schedule. He, he wanted to spend time with his family. So those are the three names that I had for a long time. Can't think of any right now. Like you said, Chale, I think, would be an absolutely perfect one. He's in Bellator. Daniel Cormier would be a great one. But he wants to spend time coaching his kids. Also, yeah. like you said, you kind of have to bend the truth and be the bad guy a lot. I don't think that's the type of guy Daniel Cormier is. That's definitely not the guy Brian Stan is. Mm-hmm. I think Chale would be the one. But unfortunately, that's probably not going to happen. But we're going to hop over to Twitter. So we have a comment from a young up-and-coming journalist named Guillermo Cruz on Twitter. Uh, I'm going to read this verbatim. I've heard of him. I'm going to read this verbatim. Danny and Jose, first of all, you guys are very handsome, and you are the most handsome on the MMA fighting staff. Uh, I have nothing on you. Your hair is amazing. Now to the question. Hey, guys, big fan here. Quick question, which alcoholic beverage would you guys Wait, drink Wait, let me between interrupt rounds? you
1: for a second. Have you seen, seen Guillerme's Instagram, uh, him at the beach with a Zunga?
0: Yeah, he's living the best I think, life I think I think you need to give
1: yourself a little, a, little more, uh, a little more props on that area.
0: Sure. Living his, living his best life every second of his day. But quick question, which alcoholic beverage would you guys drink between rounds? Obrigado.
1: Ooh. I want say beer. Beer is nice and refreshing. Sure. Yeah. Any
0: specific beer?
1: Uh, definitely a light beer. So a lager. Yeah.
0: I am the exact opposite. I am 100% a Guinness man myself.
1: That's strong, though.
0: Yeah. It's the Irish part. It's the Irish side of me.
1: Can you, can, it's easier to chug a, like a lager, you know? It's like more refreshing, like, I'm you know. not trying to Whereas chug a beer it, when I'm working. Not chug it, but like, you know, <clears throat> if you're, you know, you, you want to get refreshed. It's not like you're just taking a sip, you know?
0: Sure. I think Guinness You got to take like a big chug. You got
1: to take a big chug.
0: Guinness is just so delicious, though. <laughs> There's literally nothing. I think it's the best tasting beer on planet Earth. But I'm going to do one also, last.
1: Depending on how I'm feeling, uh, maybe a tequila and, and, and soda.
0: Now you're speaking. With the lime. lime. Now you're speaking to my Mexican side. Uh, moving right. Also, a lot of questions on Twitter we also got on the site, so I'm going to hop back over the site. Yes, we got a lot of questions about Yoel Romero this week. He's not even fighting. We got no questions about Kamaru and Colby Covington. I was very surprised because that surprised, is official. Yeah. Oh, here's a question that I saw in, the, in the, the YouTube comments earlier in the card. What do you think is a better card? UFC 244 or UFC 245?
1: Well, the problem with UFC 245 is that it, it's still missing a lot of
0: but it has bookings, three right? title fights
1: it does um let me pull it up real quick it has
0: the main event is called is Kamar uzman versus colby covington we got max holloway versus vulcan Osemir, and we have amanda Nunes versus jermaine durandami that fight card is awesome those top three fights
1: hmm yeah huh i would say in usc 244 jesus <sighs> i would say as an overall card I think U um, C 245 is better, yeah. but I think, man, that BMF title holds so much weight. I mean, if you've been following me for a bit, I've preached about Nick Diaz versus Jorge Masvidal forever, you've before even Jorge...
0: You wanted Nick. When I remember when there was that tears between Jorge versus Nick, you were all about it. you were oh, like one was of the guys all on the about it. That I've
1: like, I've I've fight. been a believer of the 305, Mr. 305, since day one. I mean, I never even understood why he wasn't such a big personality yeah. and wasn't celebrated so much. I've literally said it. He's literally the Nate and Nick Diaz of Miami. Like everything he does, he 100%. you know he's street. Um, so that holds a lot of weight. And look, there's some good fights. Kelvin Gastelum versus Darren Till. I'm interested in that one. Johnny Walker's fighting, which is always yeah. fun as well. Uh, Vicente Luque versus Steven Thompson, right? That has huge implications as well. Um, but I would say overall, I mean, you can't beat three title fights.
0: It also Plus, has uh, Robbie Lawler, Santiago and Ponsonibios on 245.
1: Yeah. No, look, I'm going to go with uh, 245. Plus, I, I, I think the Colvington versus Usman finally we're getting that. That's going to be a lot of fun as well.
0: I'm super excited to see if The Rock is going to be at UFC 244, though, putting that BMF title around the winner of Nate versus Jorge. I think more people are going to be interested in 244, for sure. I think that goes without saying. But in terms of, like, mixed martial arts competition, 245 is better. Three title fights will always trump a belt that has not even been built yet. It's not even – we don't even know what it looks like yet. So three belts Mm -hmm. is greater than a a belt that was created in August and doesn't even have a design yet. So – I'll say 245 is better, but to the, the popular, the, what do you call it, the, the casuals of the world, as the commenters like to say, 244 is gonna be way better. But Danny, that's it for the questions. Uh, as always, it is time for your promo. So Danny, the floor is yours. Say whatever you gotta say.
1: So I don't have a, a crazy opinion, but I will say this. My promo is, you better go check out PT's interview with Israel Adesanya's coach, uh, Mr. Eugene. Bearman. Yeah, I mean, yeah, there was it a fantastic sit down interview. First of all, it was beautifully shot by uh, Casey Lydon and uh, <clears throat> Mr. Lin. And uh, the interview itself was was great inside. I believe it was something like 20 minutes. It's like a lengthy, nice interview um, and very nice. And, and and Eugene is one of these weird characters where he kind of doesn't like being on, on the spotlight and he's very low key. I mean, I was, uh, you know doing some social media for, for MMA fighting and i even try to find his twitter couldn't find any anything i don't even know if he has one but i, I couldn't find it um and yeah so he's very low-key so he's one of this mysterious characters in the space and now all of a sudden we got a nice chunk of of, of 20 minutes of him talking about um you know israel asana obviously he coaches as well dan hooker who's fighting on the card as well so great insight there so that's my promo go check out that interview do yourself a favor watch that interview
0: well said, Pete Carroll, obviously one of the best in the business. He's, I hate him and his stupid charisma so much, uh, but definitely go check that out. For my promo, uh, I think this upcoming fight, and I know you're obviously the biggest basketball fan on the site, I really I think this fight against Robert Whitaker versus Israel Asanya is one of those, those matchups where it's really the two best fighters at 185 in the prime of their career, they're meeting at the exact right moment. It's reigning champion versus interim champion. They're from two parts of the world that have a built-in rivalry in Australia versus New Zealand. Obviously, the big, the, the big rivalry is there for rugby. It's very reminiscent. It's, I, want, I don't want because we haven't seen the fight happen. But in America, when you had someone like like Larry Bird versus Magic Johnson, like that was two guys in the prime of their career – in two parts of the world that had a built-in rivalry in the Celtics versus the Lakers. I think the last time I said this uh, in the UFC was when Chris Weidman fought Luke Rockhold, where it seems like those were the two best middleweights in the world. There's no argument against it. One of them was from California. The other one was from New York. It was East Coast versus West Coast. Uh, I think that was the last time I really said this. And now we get to see it in an international rivalry, Australia versus New Zealand. Two of the best fighters that have ever lived fighting for a championship belt in five rounds. I think we've talked about it before. This fight card isn't the greatest, but that main event is not only exciting in terms of athletic competition. I think it's going to be really, really exciting and important for just the sport of MMA in that part of the world, Australia versus New Zealand. I cannot wait for that fight. And, of course, if Israel Adesanya wins, that's another Nigerian champion. I mean, we got Kamaru, and now we have Israel Adesanya. Francis Ngannou from Cameroon is probably the rightful number one contender at heavyweight. Uh, Sadiq Yousef is out there making his way up. Uh, There's a lot of very exciting Nigerian fighters on the rise. So a lot of important storylines coming out of this main event title fight. That is my promo. If you want, if you don't want to watch the main card, I think the main event is worth the the pay-per-view price. Don't miss out on it. Anything else you want to say, Danny, before we close out this episode of The A-Side?
1: Nope. That's all I got, my friend.
0: So, as always, uh, this w- this episode, for those of you who didn't watch live, well, it'll be on YouTube if you want to go back and watch it. If you don't want to look at our faces for whatever reason, it will be on Apple Podcasts, it'll be on Stitcher, it'll be on Spotify, it'll be on Google Play, it'll be all that. No audio issues this time, Danny. Second week in a row, we're kind of on, on, on a run. A uh, lot of great comments. Uh, they really like the duo of us, so I'm sure Danny will be back more and more as we go. Uh, you're going to UFC Tampa Bay soon, correct? Tampa, yep. I'll the episode- be there. Daniel will be at UFC Tampa. Pete Carroll, Esther Lynn, and Casey Leiden are all over in Melbourne right now. Check out all of their awesome content coming out. They already got a lot of great stuff coming uh, right as, as we're doing this episode. So don't even leave the YouTube channel. I'll be at UFC Boston. And then after that, to the Danny and Jose Show in New York. Maybe we'll do an A-side live together in the same room. That'll be fun. I'm looking forward mm-hmm. to that. But uh, as always, you can find us. I'm at Jose Youngs, at Jose Youngs, on across all social medias danny at danny segura tv you can find him you have way more twitter follows than me i'm sure you'll get more interactions uh than me anyway but for jose that's danny we're out